This episode is sponsored in part by LaunchDarkly. Take a look at what it takes to get your code into production. I'm going to just guess that it's awful because it's always awful. No one loves their deployment process. What if launching new features didn't require you to do a full-on code and possibly infrastructure deploy? What if you could test on a small subset of users and then roll it back immediately if results aren't what you expect? LaunchDarkly does exactly this. To learn more, visit launchdarkly.com and tell them Corey sent you and watch for the wince. There's a joke that I've always been partial to. A software engineering type rubs a lamp and a genie appears. The genie says that he'll grant the engineer $1 billion, but only if they can spend $100 million in a single month with three rules. You can't gift it away, you can't gamble with it, and you can't throw it away. The software engineer responds with, well, can I use AWS? The genie responds with, okay, there are four rules. So begins a Reddit thread last week, and it got at a very interesting point, given how abysmal AWS's free tier is. Without reaching out to support for a limit increase or any special treatment, is it possible to spend $100 million in a month, starting from zero, in an AWS account, without increasing a service quota or otherwise talking to AWS at all. I've added some restrictions as well. It's cheating to just go out and buy a bunch of three-year RIs or savings plans. That would be a one-and-then-done approach. Most importantly, it wouldn't make for a very entertaining recording, now would it? The actual dollar cost you'll be able to get to is wildly variable depending upon a variety of factors, and let's be serious, I'm not fool enough to try this in my account, but it's comfortably in excess of the genie's requirement. Let's be clear, I wouldn't expect this to actually work. AWS is likely to have some alarms set to trigger when a brand new account begins tracking towards being what is almost certainly their largest customer within a matter of days. Beyond that, they've got a bunch of hard limits that my solution almost certainly smacks directly into. Take this with a grain of salt, or at least with somebody else's AWS account credentials instead of your own. So let's burn some money. Note that AWS advertises 81 availability zones across 25 regions, and we're restricting this to a single account. We'll knock four regions and 12 AZs off of that list because you need to talk to AWS to get access to GovCloud or the mainland China regions. That leaves us with 21 regions and 69 availability zones. We're also going to assume that there are 30 days or 720 hours in our month. We'll start by misconfiguring some things that max out the AWS service quotas and will make everything we do just that much more expensive. We're allowed up to five NAT gateways per availability zone, which will be expensive in their own right, but passing everything else we do through them will lead to a four and a half cent surcharge per gigabyte, and we'll be doing a lot with data transfer immediately. They also cost us four and a half cents per hour in US East 1. They cost significantly more than that in other regions and are going to land somewhere around $13,000 a month so far. We'll also turn on five cloud trail trails per region out of pure spite, but it's hard to determine how much they'll cost. Interface endpoints for VPCs start at one cent per hour. You're limited to five VPCs per region and 50 endpoints per VPC. That's 250 endpoints per region at one cent per hour times 21 regions, meaning you're around $40,000 a month so far just for those. DynamoDB offers 80,000 reads and 80,000 writes per account per month in provision capacity. So no region magic here past setting up two tables with 40,000 reads and writes each in different regions and then replicating between them. 
The write provisioning will cost $56,160, and the read provisioning will cost another $11,000 and change. We're also going to spin up as many EC2 instances as we can. We're limited by default to five running instances per region. We'll pick the beefiest instances we can with 100 gigabit per second networking, M5DN.24X large in this case. Assume we'll only be able to run four of these at a time. Their cost is inconsequential, as you're about to discover. This episode is sponsored in part by Salesforce. Salesforce invites you to Salesforce and AWS. What's ahead for architects, admins, and developers on June 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific time? It's a virtual event where you'll get a first look at the latest innovations from the Salesforce and AWS partnership and have an opportunity to have your questions answered. Plus, you'll get to enjoy an exclusive performance from Grammy Award-winning artist The Roots. I think they're talking about a band, not people with super user access to a system. Registration is free at salesforce.com slash what's ahead. Let's be incredibly conservative and say that all of this only gets us to maybe $100,000 a month. It seems like we're short of our goal by a thousandfold. It's not looking good for our software engineer, is it? So now let's burn the rest of it, because here's where we turn on the magic of S3. We'll start with four buckets in each region. We'll then configure those buckets to store everything as S3 infrequent access storage class and enable versioning. We'll further set up every bucket to replicate to a bucket set in Sao Paulo, which in turn replicates outward to another region. That replication traffic from Sao Paulo will cost 13.8 cents per gigabyte. Assuming four instances that are able to speak close to line rate to S3, multiple buckets or endpoints potentially to avoid throttling, that is 12.5 gigabytes per second. That means that per second, we're spending 56 cents in NAT gateway data processing charges, $1.72 in replication charges from Sao Paulo to elsewhere, a variable charge of at least 25 cents per second getting the data replicated into Sao Paulo, depending on where it comes from, and storage charges that we'll get to in a minute. For our 720-hour month, that comes to the princely sum of $6.5 million for a complete month. Seems a bit short, right? That's per region. Add in the remaining 20 other regions, and we're at $137 million and change for a month, but we're not done yet. Enter the storage. After a month of this behavior, we're storing 680 petabytes in S3 across the board. That's a minimum of $15.5 million additional when stored in infrequent access, but there's still more that's about to blow this out. Enter AWS Lambda. We'll be setting up a fleet of lambdas to constantly transition the storage classes of objects back and forth between S3's infrequent access and one zone infrequent access tiers. One of the caveats of these storage tiers is that there's a minimum object storage charge of 30 days. By toggling back and forth between those two, we're going to blow the S3 build further into the stratosphere. At the end of the month, Every transition has a minimum cost of $15.5 million or so. Even doing this once an hour for the 30th day of the month still runs up in excess of a $336 million bill. It almost seems unsporting to enable things like AWS's enterprise support, Macy on 5 terabytes of S3 data per region, a bunch of config rules, some arbitrary S3 object lambdas, but I'll still do it anyway just to prove the point. Now, Let's be clear, we may not be able to do things like get data transfers to S3 quite up to line rate, 
There may well be undocumented shutoff limits specifically to avoid surprising someone with a half billion dollar bill at the end of the month. And we might, in fact, saturate some cross-region links, which could slow us down, which is why we're making sure to overshoot so significantly. But I want to point out that all of this is doable or close to doable within AWS's free tier without ever speaking to someone from AWS directly. Doesn't that make you feel warm and cozy? Perhaps it's time to reconsider how the free tier works. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.